Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to Matchpoint Canada, the official Tennis Canada podcast. And we are on location at Aviva Center for Rogers Cup in Toronto. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. You can find us on Twitter at MatchpointCan. Find me at Ben Lewis SN590 and find Mike at Pro Tennis Fan. And Mike, this is the first of uh, seven episodes we'll be doing. And uh, really, it's it's an exciting and, and great opportunity to be at a prestigious Canadian tennis event and have an opportunity to speak to players, media, lots of different people throughout the week. Yeah, so excited about this week. Been covering this tournament for a long time. Been coming to this tournament as a kid. I know you have as well. So it's really cool that we get to do this on a daily basis and uh, sort of adjust our usual, which is once a week. We've got to realize this is not a sprint that we got to be in for the long <laughs> haul this week. But yep. we're both super pumped to uh, bring you these daily episodes and, and share all the things that are happening around the grounds where we are here in Toronto, but also touching on what's happening in Montreal at the Cooper. Rogers there too. Yeah, so uh, so much tennis to cover. That's uh, what makes this event unique in Canada because we have the the split of the men and the women, which is not unusual. The tours do this, uh, but we change that each each year, which is which is great. I think uh, as an opportunity for fans in either city in Toronto, uh, you got to check out the men last year, which is awesome tennis, and uh, we've already seen some excellent tennis uh, through qualifying on the weekend. And there's so much more great women's tennis to come. And even just outside of Canada, I mean, this is that one week of the year, the calendar year, where the entire tennis world focuses on what's happening here in our country between the two cities. And um, yeah, it's kind of different that it's like a virtual combined event between the, the two uh, big Canadian cities, Montreal and Toronto. But um, it, it gives fans a wonderful opportunity. And uh, we had to pick one to go to. So this year is uh, Toronto and we're excited to be here. Yes, uh, and we certainly are. The last time the women were in Toronto, Alina Svitolina, our champion uh, this year, uh, top seed, Ashley Barty, of course, our, our French Open champion. That's a new look that probably we would not have expected at the beginning of the year. She's just one of uh, many fantastic players here rounding out that top eight of seeds, firstly, and then Serena Williams uh, we have to get excited for. She'll be playing a second round night match uh, a Wednesday night. Venus Williams is in attendance, too. We got a great look at Maria Sharapova at practice as well. Really, like all the headliners are here. Everybody's here. It seems everybody's on on board we got the young ones coming up we got the veterans that are still playing so it's one of those you know cool opportunities i really love where women's tennis is right now because you've got both sides of the uh, equation in terms of the vets and the young up-and-coming players and if you look at this draw i mean everybody's basically here amongst the women it is a very deep very talented draw and I'm looking at the matches, and even in the first round, there are some absolutely mouth-watering matches. You're going to get first and second round matches here in Toronto that could make wonderful finals anywhere on the tour, really. And again, that just speaks to what a wonderful place the WTA Tour finds itself in these days to have such incredible depth, as we've been talking about for, for the whole season, really. Yeah, that's what makes... Uh each uh, tournament so compelling, uh, particularly this one. I, I run down some list of first-round matches, and we feel like, as you said, there could be finals or quarterfinals. Maria Sharapova, who we just mentioned, and she was practicing actually with Kiki Burton's. I thought uh, her level looked really high, and she gets a pretty heavyweight first-round match against a tough player in Annette Contivate. Uh, I look towards the top of the draw, Victoria Azarenka, another veteran. She's going to be playing 
Camilla Georgie. And I think about a match like that, you could not put two harder hitting players on one court on the women's side if you tried. So, uh, so many fantastic matches and, and it sets up the tournament so well that uh, you're going to get heavyweight third round matches. Uh, we can give our quarterfinal projections, but uh, so much can change so quickly. Yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because even if I look at the second round, it's like, oh, Venus Williams could play Maria Sharapova. I mean, could you imagine that? That yeah. would have been like a blockbuster Grand Slam final 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I you know, don't want to put too much pressure and jinx anything, <laughs> right. but I think we're in for a really special week here. And if we look ahead at the potential quarterfinal matchups uh, in the top half of the draw, you've got potentially world number one Ashley Barty against recent uh, Wimbledon semifinalist Alina Svitolina. Uh, that would be an intriguing matchup. Karolina Pliskova, the ace queen, third seed here, potentially against Kiki Burdens, who's done well on hard courts, winning in Cincinnati last year. And then if you want to look at the, the bottom half of the draw, there's some real heavyweight opportunities there too. Yeah, certainly. Well, obviously, Simona Halep coming off uh, that incredible Wimbledon title, her uh, second Grand Slam, and uh, coming off the last time she played, she referred to as the best match of her life, beating Serena Williams in the final. She's had so much success in the past at Rogers Cup, and she was in the final just last year. She's the fourth seed. You could potentially see a showdown with uh, Sloane Stevens. She's played well at Rogers Cup in the past. Bit of a topsy-turvy season, but we know her abilities. She can turn it on in a heartbeat. So, And, and those two produce such fantastic encounters, whether yes, it's the French Open final or last summer in, in Montreal. They really bring out the best in each other. Yeah. And so to get a match like that potentially in the quarterfinals here would be it would be wonderful on Friday this week. Yeah, that would be electric. Osaka, Serena Williams is another potential U.S. Potential Open rematch. Yeah, can you uh, imagine if we if we get that high caliber of match? Uh, as you said, we don't want to look too uh, too far ahead. Cross your fingers and hope that we get some of these great showdowns. I, I think all the matchups that we get though are are going to be enjoyable tennis. Yeah, regardless. and we and we can't help it. We're allowed to look ahead if we want to. Not like the players who always <laughs> yes. cliche. They're cliched when they say, "Oh, just one match at a time." Some don't even look at the draws ahead of time. Right. We love looking at the draws ahead of time, as do tennis fans, people listening. So have fun with it and, and you know, see how correct you are with your predictions as we work our way through this week here. Yes, uh, we, we know our struggles with predictions, so maybe we will uh, we will avoid that factor. You are listening to Matchpoint Canada, and as, as we said off the, the hop, uh, this is a special week for us because we're going to be bringing you daily podcasts uh, on site from Aviva Centre at Rogers Cup in Toronto as we cover the women's side. We will, of course, uh, be in locked in as well on the men's tour, uh, Coop Rogers and Montreal. We will be following that closely as well and give you as many updates as we possibly can. We should speak about the Canadians in this draw. 16-year-old Layla Annie Fernandez, she will get started against a qualifier, and I have to think that's a perfect starting point for her uh, playing at such a big event because she had, of course, the great success at the French Open, winning the juniors title there. We discussed uh, what a great decision it was for her to play ITFs in Quebec and have so much success there, winning in Gatineau, both singles and doubles, then reaching a final in Granby, and she must be like high, high on confidence. Yeah, well, think about it. I mean, most 16-year-olds, what are they doing? They're on their summer vacation from high school. And here she is. She's won the Junior French Open. She had a great two-week stretch in Quebec. And now she's playing her first main draw at the Rogers Cup. And in terms of who you're going to face... 
you know, getting a qualifier is the best possible outcome you could ask for, especially in a field this deep. So uh, I think it's a big ask to put on a 16-year-old to to expect her to, you know, potentially win that match. But at least hopefully she can get into it and have a good positive experience. Uh, the winner of that match would face Sloane Stevens, so that would be something else. But great opportunity for Fernandez, totally deserving of this wild card, which I think if we had mentioned that early in 2019, people would have been kind of like looking at us funny. Yeah. But she's uh, she plays such a, a big game for someone who's got such a slight frame and, and she can handle the pace and the power and she doesn't seem phased by anything really. Yeah, she seems uh, she seems comfortable, not shy, uh, be amongst being amongst the uh, WTA professionals like uh, she's she's ready to to be part of the crowd and be one of the regulars on this tour. And as, as we say, just 16 years old, you think of uh, the growth she can probably accomplish in the next couple of years and they're giving her a fantastic opportunity to play some doubles action here as well yes and what a partnership um putting her because i want to say this was probably done behind the scenes maybe a little bit of tennis canada involvement mm-hmm. um but simona halep is going to play doubles with Layla annie fernandez which is just a really cool pairing uh what an experience that will be for Layla annie as well nice of simona to decide to i mean she plays doubles some sometimes so it's not a total shock yeah but to play with an up-and-coming kid and sort of be like a, a mentor figure to her um would have loved obviously in a perfect world to see bianca andriescu with her romanian roots family background to play with simona and maybe that'll happen at some point in the future but uh, bianca understandably only going to be playing in singles as she's just coming back from that shoulder injury yes uh, but fernanda is such a great uh potential learning experience learning from someone who's been world number one before and has just won a wimbledon title and two grand slams uh one of the best wta players we have today uh that you know that's such a great opportunity to be able to play alongside her in doubles and uh you got to be thankful for simona to agree to that which is fantastic as you said bianca andrescu uh not playing the doubles which uh to me is wise uh we thought maybe we would see her back in washington uh she gave it an extra week of rest um but i know you had a chance to see her in practice and we're not seeing any issues with the shoulders when we watch her no it's wonderful there's uh, there's no tape on the shoulder she doesn't seem to be favoring it at no point in any of her practices throughout the week did i see or even flinch or grimace or anything of that nature so that's wonderful Um, I mean she said herself in pre-tournament press that she's learned from coming back too soon earlier this season so she wanted to be absolutely sure to give it extra time which was the reason for not playing DC as opposed to having any last minute setbacks which isn't the case Uh, she looks to be hidden hard in practice Obviously, to me, the the conditioning and the stamina is something that she doesn't just have as much time under her belt coming into this tournament. So in some ways, it's unfortunate that it's got to be the Rogers Cup where she does come back to the tour. But I know she's ready to go. She's eager to play here. Obviously, it's her hometown. And so her family, friends, tennis fans who are coming are going to be absolutely, um, you know, behind her this week. Uh, quite an interesting first round matchup uh, though so let's talk about that one for a moment yeah as you said I know uh, on the Friday draw day uh, last week at Hotel X uh, that there were audible gasps from the audience uh, when it was unveiled uh, the matchups for Bianca Andreescu lined up to face Jeannie Bouchard in the first round such a blockbuster match uh, for a tournament uh, of, of course of this nature to get two Canadians in the draw out of three playing one another 
and uh, you know one who's a former Wimbledon finalist from 2014, who's been world number five before, and then another in Bianca Andreescu, who was really having the best season I think of anybody on the tour until she went down with that injury. And uh, so you're getting two people in a very different place in their careers right now. Jeannie uh, struggling with form, obviously eight match losing streak, um, but looking to kind of right the ship as we get into the summer and, and approach that U.S. Open. She did play some pretty good tennis in the summer and fall of last year and uh, probably kind of coming in with no expectations. Bianca Andreescu coming in wondering, how's the shoulder going to hold up? How am I going to hold up physically? Because I haven't played a tournament since the French Open. If I'm looking at this match from either perspective, I think it's a good opportunity for both. I mean, Jeannie has struggled, has not won a match since February 17th, I believe, which is just feels like forever ago, right? Uh, and so for her to play a player who's coming back from injury, hasn't played a competitive match in two months, maybe you've got a little bit of hope that you can sort of sink your teeth in early and, and catch someone who's, you know, fighting some butterflies and, and out of their usual rhythm. And then on the other side of things, if, if you're Bianca, uh, you know, placing uh, or sorry, facing a player in your first match back who hasn't won in such a long time, who's low on confidence. I mean, I think it's ideal for both in that sense. Uh, a little bit of symbolism here, you know, I don't want to say passing of the torch because I think we can all admit that that torch has already been passed from Jeannie to our new Canadian number one, Bianca, the way things have gone. But uh, it, it is kind of cool that we got these two facing each other Tuesday night in Toronto. And uh, it's going to be a match that, uh, I mean, weird in some level, two Canadians facing each other. But at the same point, the more, um, you know, talented Canadians we have in these draws, you're going to get these matches both in Toronto and in Montreal. So let's just try and, and enjoy it. Yes. And uh, we will be seeing actually another one in Montreal before uh, we get to that. We'll stay on the women's side. Uh, 25-year-old Jeannie Bouchard facing 18-year-old Bianca Andrescu Tuesday night, Aviva Center, Center Court. So if you still have an opportunity to get tickets, I think it's going to be very worth your while to watch such a match. Uh, Bianca Andrescu, uh, we've had an opportunity to speak with her on the podcast. This was a first for us, getting the opportunity to speak with Jeannie Bouchard, um, who is who is who uh, was so gracious to, to join us, and she seemed like she was in, in a great mood and press as well coming in here to Toronto. Yeah, we'll let you listen to it in moments now, but Jeannie Bouchard was fantastic. Uh, first time she's been on a podcast, apparently. Yes. So that's you know our claim to fame right now, I guess. And uh, yeah, just very forthcoming and very honest and um, and in great mood when we talked to her. So uh, it was a really fun interview to, to conduct. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, here is our sit down with Jeannie Bouchard. So Jeannie, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us this afternoon. And uh, you just admitted to us off here, this is the first podcast you've ever recorded. Is that true? That's right. You guys are the lucky number one. So on that note, um, if my calculations are correct, this is your 12th Rogers Cup already going <laughs> back to the early days and including qualifying, uh, yet you're only 25 years old. How does it feel when you put that in perspective that you've been doing this tournament for, for so long now? That makes me sound really old. Um, I did not realize I was 12. Uh, wow. Um, you know, obviously getting wild cards when I was young was, um, you know, part of the process and super helpful to me, I think, to improve. So it's cool. You know, this is our only uh, tournament in Canada. So um, obviously I'm here to play it every year of my career. And uh, yeah, obviously a lot changes in 12 years. Maybe thinking back to when you were a teenager, what was maybe the pressure like back then, either playing in your hometown or playing in Toronto? And uh, what's different about how you approach it uh, today as a woman? Well, I'm a girl, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, obviously the first couple of years, it's, uh, 
it would be the biggest tournament of the year for me and um, a really, yeah, just a, a big deal. And uh, I'd be so excited, obviously nervous, um, but, you know, playing in front of so many people and things like that, obviously when you're 14, 15, 16 is... Um, that's where it's it's the beginning of it. So obviously that helped, I think, in my progression. And um, now coming back, it's actually so enjoyable just coming back because it feels like coming home and the tournament and the people really make an effort to treat us, the Canadians, like really special, um, both tournament directors in both both cities. And Carl this week is, uh, is amazing. And, um, you know, anything we need or any help we can get, they, they give it to us. And that's different from other tournaments throughout the year. So um, I just try to, like, enjoy every moment. Yesterday at the draw ceremony, there was like an audible gasp from those in attendance when they saw your name next to uh, Canada's other top tennis player, Bianca Andreescu. Uh, where were you and how did you find out who you would be playing? And uh, obviously we want to know what's your reaction to this big uh, all-Canadian matchup. Yeah, I think uh, I don't even know where I was. I didn't, I didn't know until like a couple hours later. Um, but I think it's just funny because, you know, we're only three Canadians in the draw and for us to play each other. So I, I laughed and I was like, wow, this is funny. But actually, I think it's cool because, um, you know, hopefully the fans will enjoy seeing two Canadians play against each other and one Canadian will win for sure. And um, I just want to enjoy the moment and, and be ready for a tough battle. And uh, from your experience just playing with her in practices, I know you played against her at Newport Beach earlier in the year. Uh, what makes her such a tough opponent? And on your side of things, what will you have to do to counteract that? Yeah, well, hopefully I can do better than th that match in Newport. Um, she's, I think the biggest thing she's good at is uh, her competitiveness. You know, she's always there fighting. And uh, she can do so much with her game. You know, she can really hit it hard from the baseline but she also has you know great touch and and slices and, and drop shots and things like that so i want to be ready for everything i know that's cliche but it's uh really the truth in the in the heat of battle you really got to be prepared it's no secret that these past few months have been tough on you on the court in terms of your tennis results what are some things you're trying to do both on and off the court maybe touch base a little bit on your your new coaching arrangement mm -hmm. with uh, jorge Tadero to try and uh, and change things up for you yeah, I've been working with Jorge, my new coach, for a couple of weeks now, and it's been going really well. It's a little bit different than um, certain coaches I've worked with in the past. He's Argentinian. He's very tough. We put in a lot of hours, and uh, we're just trying to get my game um, back to where I feel really comfortable and good on the court, you know, maybe making things a little simpler, a little more natural. Um, so we're working on things, and when you change, usually it uh, gets worse before it gets better, So, but I think we're on the right path. And I know uh, for you, you make a great use of social media. It, you know, it might be a cli cliche question in terms of... <laughs> it is, uh, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, well, just uh, <laughs> as a pro athlete uh, mm -hmm. using social media, and I know you like to use it, but you've obviously obviously seen the good and the bad from that between, you know, people who think they know what's best for your tennis game and uh, people who think they can be your next Super Bowl date. Uh, <laughs> how do you manage, how do you sort of manage that unwanted attention and also, uh, you know, provide social media that your fans love and, and still embrace? Yeah, I think it's a, a new era of, of how we live. And it's, for people um, in the public eye, you know, to, to really be able to interact directly with fans. I think it's a great tool and I love to use it. And, you know, I, I obviously see myself as, an, as a normal person and I use it as I would if I 
just, you know, was going to university or, or, you know, doing like what my sisters do or something like that. So it comes very natural to our generation um, and we all use it a lot. And hopefully fans love to see what I post. And, um, you know, I just try to take the negativity um, kind of as a backwards compliment. You know, I mean, I know you're talking negative about me, but at least you're talking about me. Um, but, you know, they're, the comments and everything like that is so beyond ridiculous that it's not even worth, um, you know, putting energy into responding to. I got to say on a personal note, thank you for the retweet on my lumberjack. Uh, outfit oh, that was trade. you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you like my shirt? Well, it's very Canadian, right? It's cool, like, to me, right? I think my dad's got one of those all that used to wear like camping, right? Or so like those like, like a... flannel kind of things, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So was that on purpose to throw in a little Canadiana into your No, uh... I didn't I didn't realize I I just it's a new shirt I had and I was like I think this print is coming back in style and I'm very into fashion, so I was like yeah. I got to I got to wear it before anyone else does. Well, I'm glad it didn't offend you anyways. No. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. My last question, our last question is um yourself, Milos, and now Bianca, um Dennis and Felix are such role models for young Canadians who want to pick up tennis rackets and get into the sport. Who was it for you when you were younger that inspired you to play the sport? Maybe someone you saw at Jerry Park growing up in Montreal watching the Coop Rogers life. Yeah, I, I would go to the Rogers Cup as a kid. I remember going with my grandma and she told me that we were watching a match and I was like complaining because I was like, no, I want to like be on the court, not watching and uh, pointing at the draw and being like, um, my name's going to be here one day. And, you know, being as young as, I don't know, like five, six, seven, eight. So um, it's just been a love of mine since I was born. It's it's not even something you can change. You know, it's it's so natural. And uh, to now be in that position is, is unbelievable. I'm so grateful. And, and how lucky am I to have actually accomplished something? I kind of manifested as a young child so if one person in this country is inspired by me well it was all worth it awesome uh Jeannie, thanks so much uh, for joining yeah. us on the podcast thank you i really enjoyed my first podcast <laughs> thanks a lot <laughs> good luck in thanks the for having me yeah. thank you and there you have it Jeannie bouchard uh of montreal quebec uh, joining us on match point canada and as i said kind of leading in she seems like she was in such an upbeat mood and uh, she said something that really stood out to me actually in the press conference before we had a chance to speak with her as well uh, that, you know, she's accomplished these things in the past, uh, sort of dealing with pressure. Always know that like none of those results can ever be taken away from you. She will always be a Wimbledon finalist. She will always have those accomplishments in her back pocket. Uh, and, you know, I, I think all the pressure is off. Yeah, and she was speaking about how, you know, players today who are under intense pressure like Naomi Osaka, who recently has mentioned she's been feeling the weight of it all since the Aussie Open this year. And Jeannie was saying, like, look, hang on to those moments. You've got them forever. They yep. can't be taken. She wasn't just saying herself, but anyone, you know, th those yeah. moments, those uh, accomplishments can't be taken from you. And it's funny because you'd think talking to someone who's had a really tough uh, string of luck recently in matches uh, would be a little bit more, like, down about things. But seems like she's got the right attitude. She's got the new coach in the mix with Jorge Todero, yep. and uh, he's making her work hard, as she uh, admitted. So uh, she's trying different things. Uh, we, we hope the best for her, obviously, and uh, it was really nice of her to stop by and just be such a, an engaging presence with us for that, uh, that interview. And uh, it's going to be something Tuesday night between the two of them, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I really like her frame of mind, at least approaching the game right now. And uh, she was, as you said, a, a lot of fun joining, joining us and in great spirits and feels just very comfortable at Rogers Cup in Toronto. And uh, mention, mentioning really the staff being so welcoming here. Uh, it's a great place for her to be 
be at uh, to kind of revitalize that tennis game. And I think it's going to be a good opportunity, as we've said, for both. Uh, they'll have the opportunity to kind of thrive off that center court crowd. I don't know that the crowd's going to be favoring one over the other uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, Bianca, obviously from Mississauga. So, yes, you know, that. more of her actual hometown tournament. Whereas if it was in Montreal, you'd think that Jeannie, being from Westmount there, would, would probably have a little bit extra. But, you know, Canadian tennis fans are pretty, uh, you know, generous in terms of their applause, even when a Canadian is facing someone from another country. Yeah. So I think it'll probably be fair. And, uh, I mean, Jeannie's got her throngs of fans, and we've got to count them amongst the most loyal in tennis because they've been through a lot the last few years. Years. And I mean, say what you want about the tennis results uh, from Jeannie Bouchard and her off-court commitments and interests, but uh, you know what? She's just doing what she enjoys doing, and she wants to keep playing tennis and giving it her best shot. And what else do you want her to say but that she's going to go out there and, and no expectations and just take it as it comes? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we, we can expect her best effort, and we will see uh, the type of results uh to come on Tuesday night. Hard, hard to say uh, who's going to win this match, but it will be must-see tennis, especially in, in Toronto for these two to be clashing. You are listening to Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis. He's Mike McIntyre. You can find us on Twitter at MatchpointCan. I should mention, uh, follow us on Instagram as well under the username MatchpointCanada because we have ongoing coverage, photos, stories all week long from Aviva Center at Rogers Cup, so certainly worth checking out. Uh, we are not Ignoring the men's side, uh, they're playing a major Masters 1000 tournament uh, in Montreal. And look, we have just one of the big three there, Rafael Nadal. And uh, this has been a hunting ground for him in the past. He's won four Rogers Cup titles. And uh, the last we saw of him in Canada, he was hoisting the title in Toronto. So to me, as the number one seed, he has to be the consensus favorite. It brings me back to 2005 when he faced Andre Agassi in the finals in uh, Montreal. Yeah. And that was such a, a changing of the guard. And Agassi was kind of hanging on at that point. He had one U.S. Open final left in him that was coming up at that point. But really, you know, the wear and tear on his body. Um, but it was a competitive match against Nadal. Someone who came in, people were saying, hey, who's this clay court kid that is suddenly having this deep run on a hard court tournament? And it was something else. It really captured everybody's attention. And here we are all these years later, and Nadal's got the number one next to his name in the draw. He's the only one of the big three to be there. He's the defending champ from Toronto where he played so well last summer. And, uh, you know, it's been tough for Nadal on hard court these past few years. Um, but hopefully the rest after Wimbledon has uh, done him some good and he's ready to have a, a good week there. But this is a great opportunity to other players in the draw without Roger Federer, without Novak Djokovic. And we can talk about why they're not there in a moment. But what a great opportunity for other players to seize and get deep in a Masters 1000 draw, potentially even win it and, and take it from Rafa. Yeah, certainly. Well, we already know we're going to get a second name in the final of this tournament that can't be members of the big three. And you look at the bottom half of the draw, Dominic Team. he's coming off a title uh, in his native Austria. However, on clay, on clay. However, <laughs> that is on the clay court surface. And uh, look, he played well earlier at Indian Wells, uh, winning a, a Masters 1000 there on hard court, which uh, was to me, a big breakthrough. Uh, so it should be an opportunity for him. Amongst so many other young players, you look at Tsitsipas again in the draw, and he was in the final here last year. Guys like Karen Hatchinov, Daniel Medvedev, who is uh, competing right now in Washington in a final. Uh, a lot of names who can readily do damage. And then a few older names who are looking to, you know, 
make headway again who haven't been playing as well. Names like Marin Cilic, John Isner, who are always threats wherever they go. Yeah, and before we get to the Canadians, of course, they're going to hopefully be contending as well and, and, yep. and pushing deep into the draw. Um, but, you know, a guy to me like Stefano Sissipas, who had such a great run last summer in Toronto, beating some great names, uh, including Djokovic, Kevin Anderson, en route to the final. Uh, he's playing well lately, coming out of that crazy semifinal match in D.C. against Nick Kyrgios that just has the entire tennis community talking regardless of how you feel about Kyrgios that match was was super exciting to watch and and looking at uh, you know two young stars CC pass already for sure and Nick if he can ever get it together and play this consistent level of tennis and leave all the sideshow stuff uh, you know out of it would be wonderful but uh, CC pass is someone that I'm looking to it would be great to see him and Nadal sort of clash again in the semis there yeah and uh, Medvedev who's in the finals in DC as well if he can carry that forward maybe a guy like Sasha Zverev is going to finally turn his season around and have some success because uh, yeah he's obviously done well in this tournament before also so there's lots of potential here lots of storylines and uh yeah no Djokovic no Federer that's okay I think the both of them gave us enough at Wimbledon to last us at least a little bit longer and tied us over and uh and give some other people uh, an opportunity so some you know good first round matches there um Vavrinka against Dimitrov is one that certainly jumps out at you yeah absolutely uh they've had some blockbuster early round matches in the past too uh because Stan Vavrinka a couple years ago coming off that that knee injury Dimitrov sort of falling out of form for a couple years they're probably not thrilled about running into each other this early in a tournament but that's going to be a fantastic sort of monday night show i think for the crowd and uh yeah look uh, as, as you said great opportunity for so many players outside of rafa and we have to come to expect this that the big three players especially later in the year they're going to be picking their spots and scheduling quite carefully uh novak look he he withdrew a little bit later citing exhaustion from that long wimbledon final and you know long grass court run to get uh, another grand slam title roger federer right after that press conference uh losing the wimbledon final said uh, he wasn't going to make montreal um so we kind of have to expect this a little bit more going into these hardcore swings with the big three that uh often i think they're just going to play one of two between uh montreal toronto and cincinnati yeah it's too bad i mean with Federer, at least he told us right away he did but it is unfortunate because he's got so many fans i mean everywhere he goes but certainly in a country that has red and white in its flag like canada lots of canadian fans that love watching him play and it, it's just unfortunate that he doesn't come here as regularly anymore and that he's going to be turning 38 uh you know this coming week how many more opportunities you know if he plays montreal again he's going to be 40 is that even going to be realistic yeah i mean the way he's playing sure it looks like he could but you just never know so it's too bad that we're kind of missing out next summer with the olympics very unlikely that he'll be back here in toronto um so that's too bad djokovic uh as well will be missed you know maybe part of it is also wanting to spend more time with with the family and they're able to do this right they are able to based on the amount of time they've been on the tour and their status to make these decisions now fans in montreal while they're going to miss them montreal is just such a mecca for tennis that they will go rabid for almost anybody that you put on on center court or any of the courts there on the grounds at jerry park so um, they will embrace the tournament no matter what is going on and and find new people to get behind 
and certainly the Canadians that we'll talk about now that we're going to keep an eye on this week. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting a fant- uh, fantastic dynamic uh, for day one, actually, in-, in Montreal, where all of our matches on center court are Canadians versus French players, which is pretty fascinating. It's for like the Davis event. Cup. It's like a Davis Cup event almost that first yeah, day. Yeah, and uh, maybe we'll be getting a Davis Cup-like atmosphere as well. Uh, Milos Raonic uh, making his return. Uh Quite an interesting first-round matchup because he's facing Luca Pui. And uh, if we remember, dating back to the start of the year, Australian Open, he was having a, that, that great run and getting through a very difficult week, beating players like Vavrinka, Kyrgios, Zverev. And I think a lot of us were starting to pencil him in into the semifinals. And Luca Pui was the guy who knocked him off. So, uh, you know, that's a very difficult first-round match and, and sort of a high-stakes, high-level one as well. Yeah, Milos got moved around in the draw there initially. He was supposed to play uh, Taylor Fritz, I want to say yeah with a potential second rounder against cc pass the draw changed a little bit due to some withdrawals and now he gets Puy. and um i mean if you take that match at the aussie open which was so long ago out of the equation i think milo should be the favorite here yeah but he hasn't been playing his best tennis as of late and uh you know wimbledon didn't look like he was in 100 percent just physical conditioning you know from my point of view and he went out early in dc as well a tournament that he'd been in the finals at and and won previously so it's been kind of a disappointing summer so far from Milos. Maybe this is the ideal time to to kind of turn it around. We'll see what he can bring. Uh, if he gets through Lucas Puy, it's um, going to be another Canadian that he'll face as he gets the winner between, it's like deja vu from Wimbledon here, Felix Auger-Aliassime once again facing Vashik Pospisil in the opening round. And this one's got all kind of layers of weirdness to it because... Vashik and uh, Felix are going to be doubles partners <laughs> yes. in Montreal. So at one point, they're going to be on the same side of the net. They're going to be facing each other on opposite sides. Uh, poor Vashik, after all that time off with his back injury, has to come back in successive kind of tournaments, uh, big tournaments, and face a fellow Canadian who's going to just make him grind. Uh, what is it he told us when he was on the show recently about Yeah, Felix? that was uh, kind of ironic because just a couple weeks ago when we had him as a guest, he was talking about the physicality of the tour, how it's more physical physical than ever and how he had a chuckle about having to face Felix Ojeda-Aliassime first round of Wimbledon because he thinks he's one of the most physical players on the tour. Uh, this just goes to show you there are really no easy matches whatsoever. So certainly Pospisil is going to be the underdog in that match. Uh, but again, it's going to be a, an electric crowd. I, w- I was thinking before we recorded actually Felix Ojeda-Aliassime. This could sort of be his coming out party in a way in Quebec. It was Denis Shapovalov two years ago and, and that was kickstarted by the upset over Rafa. Phil Nadal, but Felix, uh, you know, he soared up the rankings inside the top 25, and he hasn't really had his coming out party in front of the home crowd yet. So this is this is going to be a, a brand new experience, I think. I, I mean, we got a showcase last year in Toronto, and actually he beat Luca Pui here in Toronto last year. But this is a different animal when you're you're playing in front of your home crowd in Montreal. They will absolutely embrace him in Montreal from the moment he walks out onto the court like a rock star, like a hockey player. There, you know, it, it's going to be something else. Look at what they did for Shapovalov a couple years ago. Yeah, and with Felix being from Quebec, being French Canadian. Oh, they're just going to get behind him so much, and it's going to be wonderful to watch. Um, I, I hope he he enjoys the process. I hope he doesn't feel too much pressure. Uh, 
I mean, he's going to have so many Rogers Cups ahead of him. But you're right. This is a really fantastic opportunity that uh, that should be special for him. And we should also mention uh, Dennis in the draw, too. He's going up against a Frenchman, uh, Herbert, uh, with the winner to face Dominic Team. So the draw wasn't super kind to Canadians, just in no, how wasn't. many of them have to face each other early or face some pretty tough opponents or tough early draws. But it'll make for matches that the crowds are going to come to in droves and get behind the players and hopefully boost them and and support them, uh, especially when it's Canadian versus Canadian. Yes, and uh, Peter Polanski as well will be playing that Monday night match against Gael Monfils, who I should point out is a massive fan favorite in, in Montreal. The last time he was playing there a couple years ago, I think I want to say he saved like five match points in a tiebreak beating Kei Nishikori, uh, and the crowd was going absolutely bonkers. So that will be a fun match against uh, Canadian Peter Polanski. And then Braden Schnurr, of course, who was our guest uh, last week on the podcast, he gets a nice start, uh, hopefully a chance for a win as he opens against the qualifier. Yeah, that'd be great for him because... Because at this stage, you know, for him, any any wins in tournaments of this size are going to be a huge bonus in terms of, you know, let's be honest, payday for, for guys that are just yep. sort of, for him, cracking the top 100 for the first time. And the ranking points, too. So good to see at least one of the Canadians with, you know, somewhat more of a manageable opening uh, draw over in Montreal. Certainly. And uh, we will be following the action day by day, as we said, and in doing so, providing you with daily podcasts on Matchpoint Canada. Uh, so great to get started with an episode. And I really wasn't expecting Jeannie Bouchard to be a uh, guest on day one, but uh, there you have it. It's setting the bar high. Uh, we're going to be here. Uh, it's going to feel like 24 yeah. 7. I was literally the last media member to leave uh, last night, but uh, just getting settled in. We're really stoked for it. And we're going to have other great guests um, to speak with this week uh, for you to listen to and uh, tell us you know from your side of things who do you want to watch play what matches are you most excited about connect with us on twitter connect with us through instagram and we'd love to hear from you yeah absolutely interact with us as much as you can i will do a shameless plug as well from my side uh if you're interested sportsnet 59 to the fan we'll have a show from one to four monday one to four tuesday on the grounds at rogers cup and aviva center and i will be co-hosting those shows as well so if you want to come by say hi uh feel free to do so we will talk to you tomorrow uh this podcast coming from rogers cup at aviva center